0: You are listening to the Forgotten News Podcast.
1: But before we begin, here are a few words about a couple of other podcasts that we think you might want to try.
2: Hey, creepy people. This is p Haunts and Homicides. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Cassie. Together, we explore stories of the paranormal and true crime throughout the Pacific Northwest. For each episode, we do a tarot reading to help us gain some insight on the topic as we share the facts of the case and our interpretations. You can find our episodes featuring true stories from infamous cases such as the misdeeds of Boeing, as well as lesser known true crime cases like the murders in Tunnel
0: 13. As well as our spooky stories from Pike Place and Raven's Manor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you'd like to listen. I'm Beth. And I'm Bailey. And we We are are True True Crime B&B. We do a podcast every week. We release on Fridays. And every week we'll bring to you two different true crime stories. First we'll bring you a disturbing story. And then one that will hopefully uplift your spirits a little bit. We'd love to have you listen to our (laughs) podcast. Yeah, so join us every week on Friday. Find us anywhere you find your podcasts. On Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. Amazon. I don't know anywhere else. (laughs) And also, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at True Crime BNB. Did we even mention that we're mom and daughter? No. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you join our crime family. Bye. 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 Welcome to the Forgotten News Podcast. This is your window to
1: hear true stories from long ago. Stories that once made headlines. Stories that people thought would be unforgettable. Yet those stories
2: were soon lost in the sands of time, or were buried deep in the dustbin of history. In this podcast, We shake off the sand and dust from
0: those stories and share them here with you, as fresh as the day they were first told.
2: And now, here's your hosts.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Episode 65 of the Forgotten News Podcast. Our second episode of 2023.
1: Hey there, this is Jim.
0: Hello, hello, hello. This is Kit. Listeners, we obviously already know that this episode is being released pretty late in the month. So we're not going to do a big detailed apology thing because honestly... We've probably done that on every episode over the past several months, other than our Christmas episode.
1: Nevertheless, I am sorry.
0: We really, really are sorry. It just gets rough sometimes, because despite all of our best intentions, sometimes everyday life just gets in the way. But for now, who cares? We're back! Woohoo!
1: And you know what? We're going to try to make it a goal that over the next few months we will simply try to do better and release more episodes more often.
0: Hopefully. So just wait and see what happens. We're crossing our fingers. <laughs>
1: I think we can do it. We will definitely try.
0: However, before we move on, there is one more thing that we are very sorry about. Jessica will not be with us for this episode. Unfortunately, she has some unexpected things going on that unavoidably prevented her from participating.
1: But... Fingers crossed, she will return on our next episode.
0: And speaking of episodes, let's jump right into our featured story, which we presume is the main reason why you are listening to this episode in the first place.
1: However, since our featured story is kind of a creepy mystery, we definitely feel that a trigger warning is necessary so that you can decide whether you want to continue to listen or not.
0: So if you are of a nervous or sensitive disposition or get frightened easily, we advise you calmly, but sincerely to simply turn off this episode now.
1: In addition, We do not recommend this story for children under the age of 13, since it could easily be too scary for young ears.
0: Parental discretion is strongly advised.
1: So, with all of that having
0: been said... On with the show! Our story begins a few days before Christmas, on a snowy night in 1939. However, this is not a Christmas story. This is a true crime story. And here it is. On Friday, December 22nd, 1939, at around 3 a.m. on U.S. Highway 20, the roadway between South Bend, Indiana, and Mishawaka, Indiana, a man named William Joyce was driving along, just minding his own business, when, out of the blue, his car suddenly collided with a middle-aged man who who had stumbled onto the highway. The man was knocked over 40 feet down the road by the impact of the collision. William got out of his car to check on the man and to see if he could help. He immediately realized that the man was unconscious and also had severe injuries. So he quickly drove towards the nearby city of South Bend to look for a telephone, to call the police and get help. The police arrived on the scene at around 3.30 a.m. and swiftly located the injured man on his back next to the highway. He had multiple broken bones, including his neck, as well as internal bleeding and hemorrhaging, and severe trauma to the chest, legs, and torso. However, investigators also discovered the man's hands were tightly tied, and his eyes and mouth had been wrapped in several layers of two-inch surgical tape. When the tape was removed, a handkerchief, with a lipstick stain, was found lodged in the man's throat. He was also missing a shoe. The man was soon identified as Stephen Melky, a factory worker and widower, 44 years old and a father of three, who was a resident of Mishawaka. Sadly, the man never regained consciousness and died of his injuries while on his way to St. Joseph Hospital. He had no prior connection with William, the 29-year-old driver of the car that had hit him. The police made a thorough investigation of the accident scene and were able to surmise what had happened. First, based on Stephen's footprints in the snow, the police determined that he had been dropped off by a vehicle approximately 140 feet from where he had been struck by William. The car then backed up before driving away. Stephen's legs had been tied together at the ankles as well, but he was able to free his right leg. Unfortunately. He could not untie his wrists, which were tightly bound behind his back. Stephen then wandered aimlessly in search of help. His footprints indicated that he had walked through a small wooded area before turning and then walking down a culvert where he had lost his shoe in the snow. There, it appears that Stephen sat down for a short period before continuing to walk towards the highway. A second set of unidentified footprints were also found along the edge of a drainage ditch running directly adjacent to Stephen's path in the snow. These footprints were never conclusively linked to the incident, but the police investigators believed it was possible that someone had watched Lord or even forced Stephen to wander onto the highway. Detectives quickly went to Stephen's home, located at 423 West Fairmont Avenue in Mishawaka. Upon arriving there, they spoke to his three sons, Robert 18 Leonard, 14, and Frederick, 8, all of whom had been asleep when they arrived. The boys told police they had last seen their father shortly before they had gone to bed at about 11 p.m. According to them, Stephen had spent the evening studying a home correspondence course in the hopes of becoming a foreman at the Mishawaka Rubber and Woolen Manufacturing Company, where he was employed. The police then searched the home, but failed to find any helpful clues. Nothing appeared to be out of place or missing, and there were no signs of a struggle or forced entry into the home. When police first arrived at the home, the front door was shut, leading them to believe that Stephen was most likely lured from the home before being abducted. The police immediately brought several people in for questioning, starting with a local waitress named Bertie DeVos, age 27, and her fiancé, Alan Palomsky, aged 28. Bertie worked for a local tavern called the Old Heidelberg. There, she became acquainted with Stephen, who was a frequent patron of the establishment. Eventually, the two had a close relationship, and this friendship was, by all accounts, more than just friendly. Now, needless to say, Alan did not like Stephen's frequent interaction with his fiancée, and on more than one occasion, Stephen had gotten into several verbal altercations with him. Bertie and Alan were both questioned, and they both denied having any knowledge or information regarding Stephen's abduction. According to them... They had spent most of the evening together at a local tavern. They both stated that Alan had dropped Bertie off at her home at around 3:30 a.m. and then he had went home by himself. They were released from custody due to lack of evidence specifically linking them to the crime. However, a short time later, they were brought in a second time for a polygraph test, which they both passed. Police also compared tire prints left at the scene to both vehicles belonging to Bertie and Allen, and neither were a match. So the couple were again released. George Smith, 44, A co worker of Stephen's was also questioned by the police. According to acquaintances, George was also very fond of Bertie, and he had been seen several times arguing with Stephen at the tavern where she worked. However, after his vehicle's tires also failed to prove to be a match, and he passed a polygraph test, He was released. Although police continued to interview potential suspects over the years, an arrest was never made. And so the strange blindfold death of Stephen Melke remains unsolved. That is the end of the story of Stephen Melky. Well, not entirely. I have a very short addendum. You might remember I mentioned that Stephen had children three boys. The youngest one, Frederick, was eight years old at the time of his father's death. He was sent to live at an orphanage until he was adopted in 1946. He passed away in 2011. The two older boys, Robert and Leonard joined the military during World War II. Leonard died at age 17 in 1943 while serving on active duty. Sadly, his remains were lost at sea. The one remaining son, Robert, passed away in 2004.
1: Kit, thanks for telling our listeners that incredible story. You did a great job narrating that. Thanks again.
0: Unfortunately, it's highly unlikely that the mystery will ever be solved.
1: And, since that is probably very true, let's just move along to our regular segment, Police Blotter and Court News.
0: Okay. Except, it hasn't been very regular lately. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's been kind of intermittent. We will try to avoid that in the future.
0: Now, if you are a regular listener, you will know that on this segment, we typically feature a list of maybe a dozen or so tiny tales of true crime from a hundred or more years ago. Crimes that were committed by small-time crooks or other random people and whose name ended up in a newspaper column after the local court issued a ruling in regard to their case.
1: But, every so often, we shake it up and dedicate a police blotter segment to a single story, rather than a dozen or more. Although, it will still be approximately the same length as a typical Regular police blotter segment.
0: Our column on this segment was published on January 24, 1868, in the Cleveland Plain Dealer.
1: However, please be aware that this police blotter segment will be a little different, <clears throat> a little unusual.
0: I'll explain there will be a crime and a criminal however the story will definitely be something that you won't expect partly because our guest narrator will be the irrepressible madison standish from the hilarious podcast madison on the air now unlike most of our previous guest narrators She adds a few comments of her own to the story. But you'll enjoy it. We promise.
1: (laughs) Now, on that note...
0: Here we go. Police blotter and court news.
2: Order! Order! Order, please! Municipal Court, Cleveland, Ohio, January 24th, 1868. Frederick Dietz, 36 years of age, who immigrated from Germany two years ago and speaks in broken English, recently formed a strong attachment for a poor outcast, Mary Lehman, or Lehman, or however you say it. 24 years of age, Mary has appeared, with remarkable frequency, on the docket of the municipal court during the past three years. Public drunkenness and prostitution—oh, so her name's layman, (laughs) uh, then—have generally been the charges brought against her, and during the period we speak of, it is safe to say that she has spent at least one year in the workhouse—or another kind of house— Last evening, Mary was again arrested as a common prostitute with another young nymph of the pavement. Are we not saying hooker? Uh, Named Martha Carroll. This morning, they were both sentenced to the workhouse for 30 days. Shortly after Mary was remanded to the lockup, Dietz called on her and wanted to marry her at once. (gasps) OMG! He's like Richard Gere in Pretty Woman! Mary agreed to his ardent proposal, but expressed her desire that the ceremony might take place in the courtroom to which her lover agreed. The true history of the girl was made known to Dietz through an interpreter. That's a hard conversation to have. But he said he didn't care. He would marry her anyway. She must have been as hot as Julia Roberts. He obtained a marriage license, and payment was then made in advance for the couple to tie the knot. The judge thereupon obligingly suspended court business for a few moments, and the happy pair were quickly united just before noon in the holy bonds of etc., cetera, et cetera, and so forth. <clears throat> However, the judge neglected one duty. He did not kiss the bride, making him one of few men in the city not to. <laughs> but the bailiff was not slow in reminding the judge. After the wedding, bride and groom strolled to a saloon in the neighborhood and took a good stiff drink each.
1: I hereby declare this court is adjourned.
0: And that is the end of our police blotter and court news segment from January 24th, 1868. But before we move on, We would like to thank our narrator and other guest voices on this police blotter segment. So please take a moment, step up to the microphone, and tell our listeners any little thing that you would like for them to know about you.
2: Hi, this is Madison from the podcast Madison on the Air. So like, I'm from 2021, but I got zapped into the past. I don't know how. And now I'm stuck in old-timey radio shows. You know, the ones like Dragnet, Gunsmoke, and Sam Spade. Aside from not being able to get a decent mocha latte and having zero reception on my phone, it's actually been pretty fun. These are all the real scripts from the radio dramas adapted for me to join in the adventure. Even if you've never heard an old-timey radio show before, you'll definitely still enjoy me meeting characters from, like, almost 90 years ago who, to put it nicely are not exactly woke. New episodes premiere the first of every month and can be found on most podcast platforms or go to our website at madisonontheair.com. Bye! Hi, this is Angelique Bone. I'm an experienced freelance voice actor, podcaster, interviewer, announcer. (laughs) Basically, if it requires talking, I'm here to do it. If you'd like me involved in your next project, feel free to send me an email at tubofterror at outlook.com.
0: David Walker, IT geek and woodturner, but most important, husband of true crime fan. Check out our creations at facebook.com slash halkwalker, h-o-u-k-w-a-l-k-e-r. Oh, my God. Great job.
1: I'm speechless. You really shook the dust off of that story.
0: Thanks so much.
1: Now, listeners, we would very much like to be able to tell police blotter stories from the 19th century newspapers of your city or town.
0: So if you have the time and ability... Just send it to us by email, and we promise to use it as soon as we can. The address is ForgottenNewsPodcast at gmail.com.
1: Now, at this point, we would normally move forward to our recommendations and advice segment. However, because Jessica is not with us on this episode, we will skip that segment until next time. Sorry about that.
0: But we do have one recommendation from both of us. Specifically, if you like this podcast, please leave a five-star rating and review for us on Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes. And if your favorite streaming service carries this show and allows you to give a rating on there, Please be sure to rate us five stars on that service also.
1: Now, listeners, in addition to reviews, we would be so thrilled to hear from you directly. Just send an email to ForgottenNewsPodcasts at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the search feature and you'll find us. In a flash.
0: And if you might be interested in talking with me personally about the show or anything else, you can follow me on Facebook or Twitter and send a DM. But it might be a little tricky to find me on Facebook because there are a lot of people with names that are very similar so, if you use the search feature on Facebook, you should be able to find me if you type Kit Karen, but with a hyphen in between. In other words, type K-I-T hyphen C-A-R-E-N, and you should be able to find me on Facebook. There's also a link in the show notes in case you get totally lost using the Facebook search engine. (laughs) But it's a lot easier to find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at KitKaren. I'll spell that for you, at K-I-T-C-A-R-E-N. However, no matter what way you contact me, Facebook, or Twitter, I want you to know that I am incredibly excited anytime I hear from any of you. I promise to reply. Just be nice. That is the only thing that I ask. So, do we have a deal?
1: Honestly, that's not too much to ask for.
0: And listeners, if you've made it this far... Welcome to the end of the episode.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for sticking around and letting us be a part of your day.
0: Or your evening or whenever you're listening.
1: But regardless of that, thank you again for hanging out with us.
0: And one more thing. Remember, history is not. this episode was recorded before a live audience of
2: us
1: goodbye everybody
0: bye thanks for listening Thank you for listening to the Forgotten News Podcast. You will now be returned back to the present day, and we hope that we can count on you to join us for our next episode. Sometimes, we have to be humble enough to understand... That there is actually such a thing as an unsolvable mystery. Listeners, would you like me to make a special audio recording just for you? Or perhaps you would like a recording by Jim or by Jessica. Believe it or not, we are offering you our voices, and each of us are available to record for you. The audio can be almost anything. For example, a short story, a poem, a birthday greeting, a joke, an outgoing voicemail message, a ringtone? Hey, just be creative. I could even be the voice of your pretend girlfriend in Canada. Yes, I can be the proof you need for your folks or your buddies at work or whoever you need to convince. <laughs> Seriously, this is for real. So, in other words, bottom line, I can record almost anything at all. Up to a maximum of five minutes. And it's exactly the same thing for Jim or Jessica. Each of the three of us are available For all of your audio needs or desires. However, unfortunately, we can't do it for free as much as we wish we could. But don't worry. Your price for any recording up to five minutes is only $5. That's right, listeners. Only $5. So if you would like to have my voice or Jim's voice or Jessica's voice to record something for you, I will now quickly tell you exactly what you need to know. Just go to the address bar on your computer, laptop, or whatever device that you are using and type paypal.me backslash forgotten news podcast I'm going to repeat that so quick grab a pen and write this down paypal.me backslash forgotten news podcast and then simply send the sum of five dollars You, of course, will also need to send an email to ForgottenNewsPodcast at gmail.com that says which one of our voices that you want. You will also need to tell us exactly what it is that you want to have recorded. You can either write it in the email itself, or you can attach a written script or document, or possibly a link to a web page that contains whatever you want recorded. Then we will send you the audio as soon as we can, usually within a week from when we receive your payment. But if you have a specific deadline for the recording, Please let us know when you send your email, and we will immediately let you know if it is a deadline that we can do or not. So, in a nutshell, I have just told you how you can get our voices, any of our voices, on an audio recording of your choice. Although we each reserve the right to reject any request for any reason. But honestly, if we do that, we will issue you a full refund. However, for the most part, we are willing to record almost anything, up to five minutes for the low, low price, of only five dollars. Okay, that's it. Bye!